Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, I'm just really excited to be talking with Joe Kasherba. Joe's a he's got a freelance web design business that uh, he started when he was in high school and grew it into a full digital agency. He's got this world-class team, clients all around the world, uh, went from building $300 websites to building $30,000 websites and managing a seven-figure, uh, managing seven-figure digital advertising budgets for uh, large manufacturing and, and construction companies. And, and now Joe has taken the expertise that he's developed there and he mentors other freelance web designers and digital agency owners and really shows them how to develop and scale their business. And whether you're in that business or you're in another service business, what we're going to talk about today is going to apply to you. So don't, uh, don't think it's just for web designers. This is a, I think we're going to get through really a blueprint for scaling up a service business. And so I'm, I'm really excited, Joe, to, to have you here. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Hey, th- thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So um, I guess to start, let's just give everybody some context. How'd you get to this point in your career? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my business in high school and it was, it actually just started sort of randomly. I had a group of friends in high school that had a band and my first entrepreneurial endeavor was going to this restaurant where they were playing and filming them playing. And then I sold videotapes to their parents. Um, and from that, I had this idea to do a video production business. And, you know, I was going to do, I didn't even know what I was going to do, commercials or whatever video work somebody would need. But what happened was I built a website. I learned HTML and built a website for that video production business. And nobody ever wanted any video production services, but people started asking me about websites. And so that's how it became a web, a web design business, sort of by accident and by me, me seeing what need that was out in the market and sort of pivoting in that direction. I love that. I've got three high schoolers. Can you come and talk to them? <laughs> Absolutely. Because- yeah, I think we we need to we need to get them to to start businesses. So, um, so you you started off pretty small, but uh, you've now grown it into a, a huge and very successful agency. Um, and then you started a second business, uh, at, you know, kind of as an offshoot of that. And I, I just guessing, it probably wasn't like all roses from the beginning. Um, what are some of the things that, that some of maybe the key pivotal challenges that you ran into and, and how'd you get past them? Well, yeah, I struggled for a, for a long time, you know, for a long time, it was a side business in college and I was trying to do other startups and things like that. And, um, basically, basically it got to the point where I, I graduated from college with no job lined up, a, you know, a startup company that had failed and, basically moved back in with my parents and had to, the freelance web design business was the only thing I had. And so I sort of had to make it work. And I think the, the big shift came, the first big shift came when I was trying to make that, that freelance business work. And I had the realization that if I wanted to get clients consistently, I had to do marketing consistently. And it wasn't just that I was just going to hopefully I'll get a client or if I just talk to a couple people, maybe I'll pick up some more clients. It was, I have to be doing something every single day to be getting in front of more, uh, more, more potential business. And that was, I think the first key shift. 
That's that right there. We could stop the podcast right there. And, and that's worth the price of admission. Um, I, you know, I heard Dan Kennedy say this God, probably 15 years ago. I think it was the first event I ever saw him speak at. And he said, you know, I've got this discipline and every day, no matter what, I do one thing, at least one thing to fill the pipeline. And he said, I don't care if I do it at five in the morning or if it's the last thing I do before I go to bed at midnight, I'm doing one thing. I don't care if it's sending a fax to a, you know, a prospect with an article, it's, you know, getting a, a marketing piece out, whatever it is, I'm doing one thing every single day. And, I, you know, I, I got to know him a little bit over the intervening years. And, and I think for him, what that meant was by every day, literally every day, 365, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I don't know that you have to do that, but I took that lesson and started, you know, following that same practice. And it's amazing what that little bit of effort will do. It compounds so greatly. So that's, that's fantastic advice. So, you know, as you're growing this business, you've gone through all kinds of stages. What were some of the big challenges where it really kind of stretched you? Yeah. So the, the, the thing that sort of happened next was once I actually did start doing some marketing and of course I went through all kinds of different marketing things that didn't work. Um, but once I finally found some things that worked, I very quickly got too busy. So I remember the first time that in my freelance business, I did $10,000 in a month. And I remember being so excited and just, you know, it was amazing. You know, I, I remember the time when I, I got the, the, the check that took me over $5,000 for the month. And I was literally crying in the car driving back because I'd, I'd made over 5000 in a month and then quickly went on to have my first 10000 month. But what happened after that was I realized that I was working so many hours and grinding so hard that there was no way I could keep doing it. It wasn't sustainable. So I had to decide at that point what I want to do. I couldn't keep doing that. So I really had to decide do I want to get an office and start building out a team in person? Do I want to bring on, you know, create a virtual team? What did I want to do? And so that was a point where I, I really struggled because I was, I wasn't sure what direction I, I wanted to go. Um, and I eventually decided to go the virtual route and keep the business entirely virtual. Um, just because of knowing a few people who had successful agencies and seeing that when they did go the route of the office and the team and everything, oftentimes they ended up losing all the profit margin and not making any more money than they did as a freelancer. Yeah. I've, we've had actually several agency owners on, on the podcast who have gone through that process. So they started out really small, just themselves. They were freelancers. Then they got enough business that they had to build a team. And the first thing they did was they ran out and got like an expensive office. And uh, I know for, for one of them, uh, one of the guys I know fairly well, almost put him out of business mm -hmm. because it added this whole layer of overhead and complexity, um, you know, and, and uh, he wasn't quite ready for it as a, uh, really as a leader. He didn't have all the other systems in place to support all of that, uh, both the expenses and now having to be a manager and everything. And it makes it more difficult. Um, and uh, interesting, we, we've had uh, over the last couple of months, a, a just a bunch of, of uh, guests on talking about uh, 
building virtual companies. And, uh, you know, my first business, we had three offices and everybody reported to the office and it was very traditional. And that's, and, and this was, you know, this business was built in the late eighties and nineties and there was really no other way to do it. Technology didn't support it. Um, and so I started in that world and now coming into the, the, the kind of the, the virtual world, all, our company now is hundred percent virtual. Uh, I had an office for a while and then I realized I was the only one going to the office. Why am I doing this? Um, and, uh, and it's just transformed things. We are, our, our people are happier. We can, we can hire better talent than, than we could get that, you know, maybe right here in our local area. Um, so we found all kinds of benefits from it. What have you found as you've built the business that way? And, and what challenges have you found along the way? There are definitely a lot of challenges. Um, I think the, 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 the thing I ran into after I decided, okay, I'm going to go virtual here is that my perception of it is that virtually, if you're going virtual, you have to be a lot better at being clear about who's doing what, what are the processes, all of that, because if somebody's not just sitting next to you, you can say, hey, come here, do this thing. And, and so I, I had a lot of failed attempts of, at bringing in contractors and bringing in team members where I had this idea, I was just get this developer and all of a sudden all the work was going to be done and it was going to be amazing. But then I discovered that everything was in my head and they didn't have any idea what they were doing. And I was, I was blaming them for not being good enough. And it was that they didn't know what they needed. And they didn't know what was in my head. And so what I had to do was I had to get really clear about everything in the business. You know, I had to really dial down, go from being a freelancer that sort of did everything for everybody, <clears throat> having very specific core services, very specific packages, productizing everything, putting together processes for everything. And that all that stuff makes sense from a marketing standpoint, but it was also absolutely critical to be able to actually bring in a virtual team that could, that I could hand off things to. Yeah. You know, the funny thing, having been in both worlds, um, when I, we first really started bringing on people who weren't here, uh, you know, directly located with me, um, I realized that that having staff around was actually kind of a crutch, and it. I think for a lot of business owners, they they think, oh, I got to do all this documentation and all this stuff, and and uh, uh, and that's yeah, you've got to do some documentation, and there's ways, there's strategies to get actually the team to do that, and they're probably the ones that should be doing it anyway, uh, as long as you're kind of communicating outcomes clearly. But what I found was that you know, because they were reliant on me needing to be there to clarify everything all the time that I was trapped inside the business. And when you begin to build a virtual team, even if it's just one or two people and the bulk of your team is internal, still and traditional, it forces you, it absolutely forces you now to begin to get clear with your thinking and your communication, which your, your people that are there with you you know, located with you, they need that anyway. And that's the only way as the business owner, you can get any freedom. I think that's really interesting. I think that that's, I can totally, I can totally see that. Um, and it's interesting because I always think of it as it would, it's sort of easier to bring people in in person, but it actually, you're right, that 
if you hiring a bunch of people and sitting them next to you is actually not a good strategy in, in just sort of hoping that hoping that they figure everything out and they ask you what they need. So that's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I, you know, we get asked this all the time. I, you know, how, how does it work when, when we're virtual, but I'll tell you the other thing that we've run into, and I don't know if you've run into this at all, but um, a lot of times there's a little bit of a stigma to a hundred percent virtual company, particularly when you're going to talk with people who are still in a very traditional employment, you know, configuration. Do you ever run into that? Has that been an issue? I think, I think I worried about, I think I worried about it for a long time. You know, I, I, even on my website still, I list two co-working spaces as addresses. And I, I think for a long time, I had a sort of a limiting belief that people wanted that virtual thing or wanted a physical office and a, a real business and that kind of thing. But what I found is that people are interested by it. You know, traditional businesses that have all these employees and are not tech savvy at all. I think they're interested and they almost see it as cutting edge that that's what we're doing. So um, I think mo any, any thought that it was a problem was all in my head is what I found. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I went through a lot of that same thing, um, you know, as we went through and, and when we finally got rid of the, the office that we had where I was the only one going to it. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we did all kinds of crazy things. Like we, we kind of quit taking local clients here uh, where we're based and, and started pulling in clients around the country because then, then the office was irrelevant, right? It was all virtual anyway, with the way we were dealing with them. So, um, you know, but I do think we, you know, a lot of times you can get that all in your head. So I, I want to take a break here because I, I want to dive into some, some real strategies that you teach to your freelance clients and help them grow. Because I think for everybody listening, that's going to really give you the blueprint for how to just go from where you are to really scale up the business. And there's stages that you've got to go through. I know we can talk through all that. So hang on, we're going to be right back with more from Joe Kasherba. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast, leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net, forward slash iTunes. You can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon. I'm here with Joe Kasherba. And uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, his background and, and how he's built his company up to uh, to the success that, that he's built it to. And he's actually taken the, the processes that he's used to build his company. And he's now uh, he's now guiding other freelance uh, web companies through that process to get them the same kind of growth. And the the blueprint that he's created really would apply to every service business. And so, Joe, kind of walk us through the process. When you, when you begin working with a freelancer or somebody who's maybe got a really small agency, how do you get them to, to scale up? What are the big challenges that they run into? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first thing I get people to think about is I ask them to start thinking about how they could 10x their business. And the reason I do that is because when you're thinking about, when you think about 10xing your business, you have to think differently. So if you just want to grow your business a little bit, you typically do that by grinding harder, working more hours, doing more of the same. But if you're going to 10x the business over a short period of time, 
you have to think differently and do things differently. So I start getting to think about, well, what would it have to look like if I could 10x the business in the next, say, 90 days? Like, what would things actually have to look like for that to be the case? Um, and even if we don't 10x it, even if we 2x it or 3x it or 5x it, that's huge. Um, it's, it's, that, it's a mindset thing. Um, so, so that's the first thing to start thinking about. And when you do that, what you realize is you have to get really, really good with focus. So yet you have to start by figuring out who are your ideal clients and what is your target market and stop trying to do everything for everybody. Um, that's good when you're trying to grind out some cash in the short term, but it's not scalable. Um, so I always go through a process with people to help them figure out who their ideal clients are and what target market they want to go after. And that the process that I go through is I tell them to write down their five or 10 best clients ever, write them down on a piece of paper and then ask, and then ask yourself, what was it that they really wanted? Why did they choose to work with you specifically? Why did you like them? And a few questions like that and see what similarities you see. When I did this a number of years ago, I found out, wow, most of my, my best clients are either manufacturing companies or construction companies. And there were certain things that they wanted and certain things that, they, that I liked about them. And so doing that exercise, you can get a lot of clarity about what, um, who your ideal clients are and uh, what your target market is. So that's, that whole thing is sort of the first step. And then we can get into the next couple steps. Well, and a couple of things I really love about that. First, it's a great question you know, to, to say, you know, and if you're listening to this, the, the pushback I, I always get from entrepreneurs when you say, well, what would it take to 10 extra business? A lot of times they'll go, they won't even answer. They won't even like entertain the question really in their mind because they get so wrapped up and like, oh my God, I couldn't add another stinking thing to my plate. You know, I'm already working 80 hours a week and you want me to 10 X that. And that's the point of the question because you can't work 800 hours a week you know, that would be one approach to 10xing it, but it, that actually doesn't happen. So you've got to then come back and, and now rethink. And, uh, and what you're describing is really a simplification. So what most businesses do, despite all, all of us in marketing that get out there and say, you got to focus on a target market and an ideal client, uh, as the very first step, most businesses sell to everybody that meets two criteria. They have a heartbeat and a wallet. You know, and so what you're telling us is the first step here is really to simplify that the first step to 10 X growth is simplification with your target. And then I know there's some other steps, but, uh, so take us through the other steps and, and, uh, and I love the direction you're going. Absolutely. So, so yeah, simplifying, that's the first step. And so we come up with a very clear picture of here's what our target market is. Here's who our ideal clients are. And then what you do is you figure out what services do those ideal clients that target market really need? So you don't want to be the digital agency that does print design and video production and animation and websites and SEO and a hundred different things. You figure out the, the few, maybe as few as one core services that those ideal clients need to actually meet their needs. So you might go from having 10 different services to say, okay, they just need websites and SEO. Now we've really dropped it down. Then what you do is what you want to do is you don't want to just offer those services on an hourly basis or on a sort of um, 
putting together different prices based on how many hours you're going to spend. You want to actually productize those services. And so you put together packages or, you know, monthly plans that are productized and, you know, based for those services. And you, you design productized services that are exactly what those ideal clients need. That's the key. Like, uh, I think a lot of times when I'm talking to some people, they think, okay, we'll I have a website package, I have an SEO package. I really encourage people to think about what is the package that is that one of those ideal clients would say, man, that's exactly what I need. And so maybe it's a couple of those services bundled into one. Maybe it's a service attached to some consulting. Maybe it's, you know, a, some training attached to one of those services you know, actually think outside the box and develop a package or a couple packages that are really what they need. And then you price those packages on value rather than on hours. And that's the key to scale, I, I think, is, is, is those, those two things, productized and priced on value. And I've seen people do priced on value without productized, and I've seen people do productized without priced on value. Right? So I can have a productized service, um, but sell it at a really low price, and that's not going to be good. And I can be you know, price on value and really charge a high fee, but still do hourly, and I'm still trapped in that same uh, sort of an individual person, non-scalable thing. So we want to put together these packages and then price them out on value. And, and, and by pricing out on value, I just mean basically setting a premium price because you're delivering a lot of value. Um, and then now you have all the foundational pieces in place and now it's time to go out and do marketing. Yeah. I, I love that combination of, of ideas. Um, you know, there are people out there that will tell you to price on value and I'm a big believer in that. Um, there are people that will say, you know, especially lately, the productized service thing is, is, is a big deal now, a trend now. Um, but it's really nothing new. So my wife runs an, an ophthalmology practice and they've got like eight doctors. Okay. When you go in to get LASIK on your eyes, that's a productized service and they have a good, better and best version. So there's the, the good version, which will fix your eyes up and, and, you know, that's kind of the baseline that the insurance companies will pay for. Then there's this little bit better version where you can get this upgraded lens that'll get implanted and that has certain benefits and additional value and they charge a heck of a lot more for it. And then there's, you know, a, a higher level above that. And it's not this, it's like you don't go into the doctor and he doesn't say, examine you and say, oh, this is really great. And then go away and write like a 10 page proposal about his, you know, bespoke method for doing your LASIK. Right. Yeah. And so why, why in most other professional services are we doing that? Most projects don't lend themselves to that. Um, you know, I, I came from the engineering world. We used to do large scale uh, residential developments and the, the scale of those projects was different, but by and large, what we did on them was fundamentally the same. Um, and so, you know, we, we couldn't totally productize it, but we got actually pretty darn close, even in that scenario. So if you're sitting there thinking, God, I could never do that. I'll bet you there's a way you could do it if you think about it. And I actually think that getting, taking your expertise and the service that you deliver and, and honing it down to where 
it's that well thought through and that systematic, that's actually the job of a professional. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what ends up happening is I think the, the, I think sometimes when people think, hear this conversation about productizing, pricing on value, ideal clients, things like that. They think it's all a money-making strategy. Like it's all just how we can make more money. But it really is how the, the, the clients are going to get their needs satisfied because you can put together a pack, you know, if you're just focusing on one particular ideal client and you're really taking the time to develop a package that's exactly what they need and you're cutting away all the other extra services, you end up with with something that's exactly what they need and you're able to provide an enormous amount more value to people. So I think that's the other sort of the other side to it that sometimes people don't realize. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And, and you know, it, and I think exactly what they need is the right way to say it. It's no more and it's no less. And it's not about cutting corners and taking things out so that you can make more money. It's not about adding a ton in either that maybe doesn't add a lot of value um, to, to what you're doing. Um, and, and the other thing that it does is it, it gives the clients something that they desperately want. It gives them some clarity around pricing. Clients hate hourly billing. I mean, they hate it with a passion because they don't really know then that the, the, they want, they're making a purchase and the price is uncertain and nobody likes to do that. And this gives them a lot of certainty around that, which I think is, is really smart. So once you've got one of the, the firms that you're guiding, they, they focus on the ideal client. They've, they've kind of productized the service. They've worked out how to value price it. What happens? Where do, where do they go next? Absolutely. And th that's one of the most exciting pieces to me because I've had, I've had people come in, you know, had web design businesses just targeting everybody and they put together these, they decide their target market is municipalities and they put together these beautiful packages exactly what a municipality or a local government needs. And now they got this really unique, really cool business. Or I have another um, web design agency I'm working with that's focusing on equestrian and horse associations and just something totally unique. And they, they love the business. They're excited about it. And, you know, it's a very unique business. Um, but anyway, the next step after that is to go out and start marketing. And by marketing, I don't just mean sort of doing a bunch of random stuff. You know, what I mean is trying to get one marketing strategy that works consistently and focusing all of your attention on just getting one marketing strategy so you can just generate uh, leads and clients consistently. Um, and so in some cases, that's an unpaid strategy, like a direct outreach strategy. In some cases, it's a paid advertising strategy using Google AdWords or Facebook advertising. Um, and so depending on somebody where somebody at, is at in their business and you know, their budget and things like that will go one of those directions. But it's focusing all of your attention on just getting one thing working. Um, I think so often people just do a bunch of random marketing things and they never actually get to the point where they say, okay, direct email or Facebook ads is working and is proven and we can generate clients consistently with that. So all of your attention on one particular marketing strategy or one particular marketing channel. Well, yeah. And what I see happen so often is people try and do these three steps backwards or they, they just ignore the first two altogether and they try and start with step three and go do the marketing. And the thing of uh, the thing about marketing is that, 
you know, the medium that you use, whether it's paid or outreach or whatever, is a whole lot less important than the message that you're taking, the offer that you're taking. And so really what you're, what you're telling everyone to do is go create a unique message for a group of people that are likely to spend money or have proven in the past to spend money with you. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're working with existing businesses saying pick your best, happiest, you know, client, the one that gives you joy and profit and focus. And, and so you've, you've done kind of a critical piece of market research there. You know that they have money and they'll, they'll spend for what you're offering, which is important. But now by specializing there, you're giving them a reason to pick you over the 150 other web designers or, you know, whatever other business you're in that are doing the same thing, but they're generalists. They're doing it for everybody. And that makes then this third step so much more powerful, I think. And, uh, you know, and, and I know for the, there are going to be people who are listening to this who have tried marketing strategy after marketing strategy after marketing strategy. And they're like, Joe, I'd love to focus. But every time I try something, it doesn't work, you know? And so I have to keep trying all these different things. And so, you know, I'm still going an inch deep and a, a mile wide. What, what would you say to somebody who's doing that? So yeah, that, that's a really good question. And a couple of things, absolutely, totally agree with what you just said. It's so much easier. And I hear that all the time. I tried AdWords, I tried this, I sent out three cold email and nothing worked. And, and people need to realize that before you can, I, I always say, I always, I always talk about who, what, and why. Before, before you start marketing, you have to know who, what, and why. Who you're selling to, what they're buying, and why, meaning what their needs are, why they would actually buy that thing. And if you don't have that figured out, there's no sense in going out and doing marketing. Um, so absolutely on that point, on that piece. Now to the people that have tried a bunch of things and not gotten anything to work, assuming that they, you know, if they don't have any clarity on those things, who their ideal clients are and everything, that's where they need to go. But if you do have clarity on that and you're still struggling to get marketing to work, here is the key thing that I realized. I realized that marketing was like drilling for oil, where you have to do a lot of tests that don't work. So when they go out and they drill for oil, they do something called, I think they're called exploration wells, where they, they, they do their best guess at whether this is a good place to drill for oil. They drill the well, they spend a lot of money, and most of the time they don't get anything from it. But every once in a while, they find a good well, and then they make millions and millions of dollars from the oil. And that's how marketing is. Most of the time, if you just go out and you run an individual marketing test, it's not going to work. Um, that's just sort of baked into the cake. You know, even if I'm, you know, I, I consider myself to be decent at marketing. I've had some decent success with marketing. And even still, most of the Facebook ads I try or most of the cold emails I send out, you know, don't hit right away. So you have to go in with that perspective and decide, okay, if I'm, I'm going to do cold email or I'm going to do Facebook and I'm not going to just try one, I'm going to try 10 different ads and I'm going to be sort of committed to that marketing channel or committed to that marketing strategy, but iterating it within that on, on the ad or the email or the message until I find what works. Um, so sometimes I, I always say that you need commitment and you need course correction. 
You need commitment on the outside, commitment to the marketing channel, commitment to your target market, commitment to your productized offerings, but you need course correction within that to keep iterating until you find what works. So um, bottom line, okay, and so with that in mind, if you actually have to iterate and try a bunch of things to get the marketing to work, if I go out and I try one time at a bunch of different things, they're probably all going to fail because I'm basically doing random shots in the dark. And if I keep doing random shots in the dark, I'll probably never get it. But if I focus on one thing and I say, okay, that didn't work at all, but people at least clicked on the ad or that didn't work at all. But the three people that got there opted into the landing page. I got something that's working. Let's iterate the next piece. Let's try this. Let's do that. I'll eventually get it to work. So that's, you know, choose one thing, focus on it and just keep iterating and testing the different variables, you know, the ad versus the landing page versus the, you know, the next step in the process until you actually get something that works. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's so important. Um, you know, I'll tell her clients often that, you know, cause they'll come and say, Oh, well, I, you know, I, I got an email from, you know, so-and-so marketing guru. And, uh, you know, the latest thing is, you know, if I post 50 times a day, photos of my cat to Instagram, all of a sudden I'm going to get a million dollars. And yeah, that probably does work. Okay. Or it probably worked for that person. But I mean, you can take any marketing strategy and they all work given the, the right market and the right conditions and, and more importantly, the right number of iterations to get it to work with your offer and your target market. Um, and so whenever we're looking at it, we look at just a few little things. I mean, the, for me, if I, if I go back, forget the internet for a minute, you know, I, I have the benefit of actually starting my working career about a year before we had the internet at the company that I went to work for. So, so I predate the internet and I should, shouldn't admit that. I guess, I guess my hair uh, on video uh, tells the tale, but you know, back then we, the best sales channel was route for high ticket sales anyway. And we were selling anywhere from, you know, mid five figure to seven figure projects. The best way to do it was round a bunch of people up in a room and talk to them for like an hour or an hour and a half and share like all of our best thinking on whatever was important to them. And then give them an opportunity to meet with us so that we could solve that problem for them at the end. And in principle, that still works better than just about anything else I've ever tried. So, you know, we do it in webinars, we do it in videos, we do it in, you know, a lot of different ways, you know, different delivery mechanisms now. But if you kind of go back to first principles, you can really pretty quickly identify like within your business, what has worked over time, like over decades and figure out how to employ that now. But then, okay, if you've picked that, the mistake that everybody makes is, all right, well, I did one. You know, I had a client um, do a webinar yesterday. Um, one of the first webinars that we, they've been doing webinars forever, but they just haven't been structured well to convert. So we took them through our process and kind of got them set up with a webinar that converts, you know, and they did it for the first time yesterday. And I, I had to like have this conversation with them right before they started the webinar, like, look, go through, do your best, whatever happens, we're going to do this again next week. And then we're going to do it again the week after that. And then we're going to do it again the week after that. And we're going to invite all the same people that are on your list. And we're going to keep inviting them until everybody's either shown up or unsubscribed. 
because that's how we're going to get it to the point that it works and it's, it's proven. And I think Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because we see that over and over and over again, that people, they give up on the strategy long before they've tested it. And, and I, I always feel like the faster you can iterate again and again and again, and most people go, Oh, I did, I did a webinar or I did a presentation. I'll do another one next quarter. Well, at that rate, it's going to take you 20 years to figure out what works. Absolutely. That, that's, you know, so many, so many good things there. I mean, the, the piece, one piece about iterating as quickly as possible, which also means, you know, you know, I, you know, I was um, doing a webinar recently talking about doing direct email, cold email. And I said, you know, one of the things is you're not going to know, I, I have no idea whether this, this email message is going to be the right one that's going to connect with this audience. So we just want to get it out there. We don't want to spend 10 hours writing this message. We just want to get it out there and send it to some people and see what works. So with iterating fast, it's almost like we want to do a good job, but we also don't want to spend six months creating that webinar. We just want to do it and see what happens and, and expect that we're going to get a lot better by, by doing it. Um, the other piece, the other piece of that, the, the drilling for oil, uh, analogy that I think is important is you're going to have a lot of failures. You're going to have to keep testing and things, but I think people oftentimes don't realize how valuable it is to have something that works. You know, I, I know in my case, like if I look at back at, you know, any successes in my businesses, there's like a couple things where I had one marketing campaign that worked and, you know, ran that thing for years and made hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from it. You know, I, I remember looking back just recently had one ad on Facebook that's done over a hundred thousand dollars in sales from that one ad. And, you know, I know people who've had individual ads that have done millions of dollars in sales and that's like, it's worth it to spend the time to do the tests. You know, it's, it's, I think sometimes people don't think about it from that side. Like, Hey, I'm going to have some failures. I'm going to have to do some tests, but like you can build your entire business on one thing that you finally get to work. Well, and if you look at the, uh, over history, the businesses that have gone really big, often it is just that, that they just, they kept testing and iterating and you probably didn't know that they were doing it because, it, you know, oftentimes from the outside, it's invisible to us, all the different things that are happening with a successful business. But once they hit on it, they exploded. And, and that's where, you know, you get these, you know, overnight sensations that are uh, overnight successes that were, you know, a decade in the making as they were doing a lot of testing that you just never saw. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you ever get, um, so these three strategies, I, what I love about them is that they're, they're, they're really based on, on first principles, the most important things. And once you apply these to one of the companies that you're working with, I would imagine that they start to see rapid growth. Do, do you then have to kind of work that, that business owner through how to deal with the growth? Because that creates other problems beyond marketing. Yeah. So that, so that's, yeah, that's the next step. The next step is that automating, scaling, bringing in team members piece. Um, now the one good thing about this is, you know, if we go all the way back to 10 Xing, you know, and, and the thing is, if you actually do this right, if you productize the service, right, if you price it on value, 
instead of doing hours and everything, you can actually get a lot of growth in terms of revenue without a lot of increased work. So, you know, I often give the sort of example of somebody who, um, one of our clients that was, she was a stay at home mom doing, I think she was doing maybe 500 or a thousand dollars a month in her business. Um, but spending a lot of hours because she was charging a really low hourly rate. She was doing sites for like $500 that were spending, you know, she's spending weeks and weeks on. And um, we helped her put together a $5,000 package um, for a website and then a $1,000 package for a logo, logo design branding, which is, that's 10 times what she was charging before from $500 to $5,000. And very quickly she, she, identified this really unique uh, target market, started sending out some email, landed her first, actually it was a $6,000 project because she was a, uh, the $5,000 site plus the $1,000 branding. And so all of a sudden she'd 10 extra business going from like 500 bucks a month to making 5,000 a month. And honestly, but it wasn't, she didn't have to do more work. She had increased her prices and was, was had that productized service. And so um, and the same thing could happen if you're making 10,000 and you know, you're, you're doing a zillion $500 websites and making 10,000 a month and you start charging five or 10,000. So that's one piece of it. You can get a lot of growth without a whole lot of extra work. Um, but yes, the next step after that is to start figuring out how can we bring other people in? How we, can we systemize this and automate things? And what's cool about it is you've already done all the legwork of figure of getting really clear on exactly what you do, exactly what you're selling. So it's, it's, it's a lot easier than that otherwise would be to start placing people in that do different pieces of the process. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and it's what I love about it is it's such a structured approach. Um, I, I know it's not easy every step of the way because every step of the way there's challenges. And so I don't want to gloss over that, but the, the fact that, that, you've got these stages that, that you've worked out. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I think, um, again, it goes back to, to this idea of first principles. I mean, you're following that and, and that's always going to work. That's, and that, that's what's I think important for everybody to walk away with here is that growing a business isn't all that complicated. And I know it because I've, I've met a lot of really successful business owners over the years who weren't all that smart. I mean, IQ wise, uh, but they kept things really, really simple. And uh, one of the, I think the curses of, of those of us in, in service businesses is that we, we had to be pretty intelligent to learn how to do the things that we do. They're usually complicated and we tend to then want to make everything complicated, including our businesses. This is really, really simple. And you've laid it out in a really clear way. And I, I so appreciate that. So Joe, if, if folks want to find out more about you and, and uh, how you're helping, particularly if there are, are folks who are in, in the web design business and agency owners, where can they go to, to find more about you? Absolutely. I'll give you one other piece of, uh, of, of valuable information. Yes, please do. With, with that automating and scaling piece. The, one of the biggest mistakes I see, especially web designers, people in this space do when they... Um, start to bring other people on is they have an overflow model where they think, okay, I'm too busy. So extra projects I'll give to some contractor which just overflow work. That's a bad approach. 
because you never actually free up any of your own time and you never actually get a system in place. So what I help people do is I help them do what I call the, the assembly line model, where they actually take that productized service, divide it up into specific phases, and then you, you know, maybe it's a design phase and a development phase and a content writing phase. You choose one phase that you're either least good at or takes a lot of your time, and you get, you get a person, a person or even a company, maybe a white label partner or something, and you drop them in to do just that one phase. So every project, they do that phase, you do the other phases. And then you just go phase by phase by phase, replacing yourself. And you end up with an assembly line rather than just a bunch of contractors that do overflow work for you. So that's the, how you actually do that. Yeah. And I, I love that, that idea. Um, and it's a great way to think about it. Um, because trying to figure out how to get all of that, that work off of your plate can be complicated. And by breaking it down like that, now, now you've kind of boxed it in. You've, you've, again, you've simplified what they've got to work with. That's fantastic tip. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, So where, where can folks find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to joekasherba.com if you're a freelancer or a digital agency owner. And on on joekasherba.com, we have a 90-minute webinar that we do periodically where we walk through this whole process. Um, And then also, if you are a a business owner looking for um, help with anything else, you can go to kasherbawebdesign.com, which is the the web design and, and digital agency website also. Awesome. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for sharing all this today. You've been very generous with everything you've shared and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes. 